0: So this morning, as you've already heard, we're talking about singing a new song and we're talking about the good news of the kingdom of God. And when Sekhar and I were planning this service, we thought, how wonderful would it be to hear a new song from somebody, to hear a story of what God has been doing in somebody's life. And Duncan very kindly has offered to sing us a song.
1: <laughs> he has not offered to sing a song. <laughs>
0: Duncan has very kindly offered us to tell, offered to tell us part of his story. And now, many of you will know Duncan. How long have you been in Campbell now? Or well, coming to Campbell Church? Let's get this right. You actually live in Papworth, I think. you? We live in
1: Papworth. We, we, we quite like it there. Um, <laughs> we, a year? A year. Yeah. We'll go a year.
0: Yeah, and since then you've got involved in the house group. We've seen you many times in the music group. Yeah. And... Uh, and you're actually going to be leading our service in a couple of weeks, so it is really important, I think, that we actually get a chance to find out who Duncan is, what he believes, what God's been doing in your life. But I think the, the question that we really want to ask you, we've been talking about singing a new song of what the Lord has done. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Now, I know when we were chatting before, then you... You haven't always had the faith that you've got now. Maybe you could tell us about your journey of faith.
1: Yes. Um, So I've been a Christian for, I guess, about 10 years. I became a Christian at university. Um, And when I went to university, I was just 18 and pretty young, a kind of a young 18-year-old. And I think I was pretty sure that I was a Christian already because, you know, I was pretty middle class and we had a Sunday roast on a Sunday and... Those were the kinds of things Christians uh, did, so I was probably a Christian. I used to sing in the church choir, and if that didn't make you holy, then I don't know what does. Um, and then I went to university, and I went to a, a college where there were actually a, a bizarrely large number of Christians. And I realized very early on uh, that there was something different about them, um, that they had something, there was a, a strange kind of confidence that they had and a kind of integrity, um, that I didn't really understand and I was kind of intrigued by. And in second term, they, there was a, a, a mission run by UCCF, which is an organisation that works in universities and colleges. Um, and they friends of mine would take me along to lunchtime talks and I would really enjoy the kind of intellectual kind of rigour and the, you know, the intellectual aspect of the talks. Um, Lots of kind of philosophical ideas, you know, does God exist? Who is Jesus? These kinds of things. Um, And off the back of that, I went um, along to a Christianity Explored course, which the University uh, Christian Union ran. And I quite enjoyed it for the first couple of weeks. But from about week three onwards, I began to get this real sense um, that I did believe that God existed. And that the more I understood about who Jesus was and what he had done for me, the more I began to realize that it required a response, which is a rather terrifying thing. Um, And I think I found it very terrifying because I think we love being in control, and I certainly really like being in control of every aspect of what I do. Um, And the whole idea of following Jesus, I began to realize, meant giving up that control, and that seemed like such a terrifying idea. And I wrestled with that for many, many weeks. Um, and from then on, the course wasn't quite so much fun um, because I had this real, kind of, I don't know if anyone else here, that kind of real sense of uh, God's calling you to do something. And then I remember um, sitting in the common room at college and chatting with a friend who was a Christian and saying, Well, I've, I've decided I think it's probably true, I'm afraid. Um, so when will. <laughs> When will something happen? When will I know that I've given up that control? Will, will a, a great hand appear from the sky and kind of like the national lottery and say, now it's you. Um, and, and she said, well, you will always have things that you have to give control over to God. There will always be things in your life. There will be new things that you don't yet know about. But what you need to know already is that he has already forgiven you. And he already loves you more than you can imagine. And he is just longing and waiting for you to give him that control. Um, and when she said those words, it's kind of golden words because it kind of hit me straight between the eyes. And I think I hadn't really realized in the coming weeks going up to that point how kind of far my thought process had come and changed um, and that I actually realized that I'd, I had already put my faith in him. Um, and I suddenly realized, it kind of sounds very weird, but I suddenly kind of realized that God was there and that I could know him and have a relationship with him. And I remember going back to my college room and praying a, a kind of a proper prayer for the first time, a proper kind of not help me pass this exam prayer, help me pass my driving test prayer, a proper come into my life and I want you in my life prayer. Um, And I remember waking up the next morning and things felt very, very different. Um, And I know it's not like that for everyone. I know everyone doesn't have that kind of moment, but for me that was how it was. And people, friends of mine, noticed that things had changed. Am I talking on too long?
0: No, it's brilliant. Um, Keep going, keep going.
1: And I remember friends saying to me that, friends I didn't really know very well, friends from tutorials and stuff, would say, oh, he seems different. He seems much more confident than he used to. And I think that I felt that it was the first time really in my life that I'd actually kind of put my brain to any kind of genuine purpose. Um, I don't know what I did with it beforehand. Uh, but it was the first time that I'd really thought anything through properly for myself and made a real decision that this is what I wanted to do. And I kind of got the taste for it and kind of liked it and kind of continued in that vein. And I found actually that I started doing better at kind of studies and stuff at university and. Yeah, it, and it changed a lot of aspects of my life. Every aspect in many respects.
0: That is just brilliant to hear. Um, actually, I wanted to keep keep on asking you some more questions because now you you are still working in the university, you're doing research... Can you tell us a bit about what it is you do at a, at a fairly understandable level, please, um, and, and how your faith impacts that? That, that would be good to hear.
1: Um, so I work for the Medical Research Council, um, which is the government's main kind of funding body for medical research, and they have a research unit at the University in Cambridge um, called the Cognition and Brain Sciences Unit. But what we do, we want to understand how the brain works um, in many kind of basic ways, so you know, as I speak, how does your brain decode the sounds and make meaning out of it, or when you when I see your faces, how does my brain remember that I know who you are that kind of thing, but we 're asking lots of other questions about what happens when we get older and our brains change um, and I run a small research program looking at children 's brains and what happens as they grow, uh, what happens as their brains change, what happens in certain circumstances when their brains tend to kind of go off on a slightly different trajectory.
0: So I know there are people who would say, well, you can't, be, you can't study something like neuroscience and be a Christian. Is that an expectation you find in your department? And how do you cope with that?
1: Um, I think that is the expectation among some in my department. Um, but I've actually been quite encouraged. I've been, I've been working in Cambridge for about 18 months, and I've been quite encouraged that they're actually a lot more open-minded than people I've worked with in the past. Um, And there are a small group of us that meet at the unit um, every couple of weeks and discuss things together um, about religion and the brain and how those things interact. Um, But it is a relatively hostile place, I guess, to be a Christian. Um, Yeah, it's tricky. But for me, the the two things are not opposed in any way. The, The way that we study the brain is in a very... The brain's a really amazing thing. And to say that we can look at how the brain works is just like we're scratching the surface. And I don't think it undermines God or what God does in any way. Um, There's a massive limitation to what we do. And we can only ask certain really quite simple questions about how the brain works, um, which doesn't even come close to the amazing things that God can do. So there's a real limitation to what we do.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's good to hear that, that you find your faith an inter- intellectually rigorous experience, but also a, a very personal and a, a loving experience with God, and that that informs how you live. And also here we see you play, playing keyboard. and uh, How important it is coming to church, being part of this community, and, and, and leading people in worship?
1: Gosh, big question. Um, <laughs> it's really special, and it's really, I think it's a really incredible privilege to be able to lead people in worship and I, I think the thing I probably find most amazing is when you're leading worship and you look out and you see people meeting with God and I think that's an incredibly powerful and special thing to be able to be a part of um, and so we, you know when I, if I know that I'm kind of in helping with the music one week then I spend time that week kind of praying, praying that people will, will meet with God praying about what God would want the music to be like um, and, yeah, that's a, a big part of my life, I guess.
0: That is really fantastic. So we're going to continue thinking about these things in Psalm 98, which, which we've already talked about. To a certain degree, you don't need me to talk anymore. We've, we've sung out to God. We've read the psalm. We've heard something about what God's doing in our lives. But I think there is some more stuff we can get out of this psalm. So if you've got your Bible there, it was page 577. And Psalm 98. And Alison read this really nicely to us. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. I was thinking about this. I was thinking, we're a new town here in Camborne. We know about new, don't we? We see new houses going up all the time. And we're singing new songs, telling new stories. But at the same time, it's not a new song at all. This song we've been singing is a song as old as time. It's a song which people have always sung ever since God first created them. Because if you think back to the very beginning, God was. God was there in Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, in perfect love, perfect unity, do you know sometimes i think that there must have been singing even there at the beginning god seems to love singing so much and then out of that love out of that joy god created us and this psalm keeps going on about all of creation singing to god god created the heavens and the earth and he the earth and he put us there to be his people and to have relationship with him and that is why we sing But sometimes we make mistakes. And when we read the Old Testament, we read again and again of God's people messing up. Again and again, they got it wrong. They didn't look after each other. They didn't look after God's creation. They ignored God. We still do that. But the wonderful good news that the psalmist wrote about... He said, the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And that salvation is when God himself came to earth, when Jesus came and lived among us as a man. And then when he died in our place to pay the price for all those things which we keep doing wrong but he didn't just die he rose again and because of him paying that sacrifice then we can be forgiven we can be loved or we can know that we are loved and we can love back and that is really why we were singing just now that is what Duncan was talking about that's what Anna this morning at her baptism was talking about God loves us And we can draw close to him and we are forgiven. And maybe at this point it's just worth pausing for a moment and just reflecting, reflecting on what God has done and how we have let him down, but how he still loves us. And Christ died for us and we are forgiven. And in Revelation we read that the one on the throne says, See, I am making all things new. God makes us new. And that is why we can sing a new song. It's not that the words of the song are different. It's that we are changed and we can sing the words afresh because they really mean something to us. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're celebrating what God has done we're celebrating Christ coming to save us and this psalm was written before then so it was a prophetic psalm writing about the Christ who would come and who would save us but I think as we look at this psalm there's more to it even than just that I mean we could stop there and we could just sing for the rest of the morning and it would be fantastic but actually the psalm goes on I don't know if you noticed as we were reading through that it seems to fall into three sections There's the first three verses where it talks about salvation. The second three verses say sing for joy to the Lord. And why? Why sing for joy in the Lord in the second three verses? Just sing for joy for the Lord because he is king. Because Jesus is Lord. And so let's turn now and let's look at that. How do we know that Jesus is Lord? Well, we can read about it in the Bible... But we can also talk about it in our lives. And I'd quite like, I think we can cope with this. We're getting on really well today. I'd quite like you to chat to people around you. Or if you really don't want to, just maybe think about it. Think about something that God is doing here and now. Is there something which you've seen God doing? We know what he's done. He died on the cross to save us. But what's he doing right now here in Camborne? Should we just have a few minutes and should we chat about that?
1: Just wondered if again seeing is as, as it's a very interactive service, if
0: anyone would like to share um based on what Beth um, has asked us to discuss, um anything that anyone feels that God is doing in Kambon Um Vicky Um in my own little way, um I might buy a box of Lollies over the summer in Morrison's, and I might have one and I might give the others away, and people don't think I'm a crackpot. I might buy a packet of biscuits and eat one and give the rest away. And um, I don't know whether it's one or two, but I've certainly prayed with people in the cafe in Morrison's. I sometimes sit there and buy a coffee and look and just hope that one person and or I might go up to a mummy and say, oh, how are you doing? You know, doesn't have to be huge, just little.
1: Thanks, Vicky.
0: Any more thoughts?
1: Uh, it's definitely bringing people to the church because we've had a nice steady stream of more and more baptisms going. More and more people just, I've noticed even the last two or three weeks, have just been walking by and have come into the building to see what's going on. And I think, you know, these are the small changes that can really grow, as in Duncan's testimony. It doesn't say much to to have one person change and then they influence those around them. And so I see God bringing people to the church and that's a wonderful thing. Especially it's my fourth birthday as a Christian today. Because I was baptised when the church opened. (laughs) Yeah. Oh,
0: wow, I didn't know
1: that Steve. Thank you. Um I suppose following on from what Steve said, um, praying in anticipation and thanks for
0: all the people that have been joining us in the last couple of months and um thinking about us anticipating January and what that means for us as a fellowship. And Coming before God individually and preparing with excitement and anticipation for this next part of the journey, and recognizing that that brings change and being positive and open minded and searching God through that can, you know ongoing as a fellowship that's very true for those who don't know, Matthew will be joining us in January um, and you know'll we'll be filling in the vacancy that we've had the ministerial vacancy, so that
1: is true. Thank you. Any more thoughts? Any more for any more? Oh, indeed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I think, really, though it was sad in some ways that Peter left and uh, Ian left, I think it's been absolutely wonderful to see so many people stepping up to do various things up front and behind the scenes and having the um, knowing that we've got Matthew coming and having Linda and, uh, uh, to join us as well and you can just see God's hand on the whole situation really which starts off as feeling, oh dear, Peter's leaving but now we can see, yes, that's good in some way because we're all moving forward and growing.
0: It is wonderful to hear what God is doing in our lives. But one of the things we said when we read the psalm was the main reason that we're able to praise him is because he is king. And I think that's really important that we remember when things are not going so well. Because it can be easy sometimes to come along to church and to park your troubles at the door, come in and say, God, you're great. Thank you for saving me. We, we, we need to do this. But what do we do when it's not all going well. And I think that's where the psalms are so important. I don't know how often you use psalms to help you pray, but when I don't have the words to pray, I'll use a psalm. Because there is no human emotion that is not summed up somewhere in those psalms. People facing despair have written psalms. People facing death have written psalms. People turning from those situations to hope have written psalms and sometimes reading the psalms can be really helpful I also think that the thing that this psalm in particular teaches us is we don't sing to God because we're all super rich and in excellent health that's not the case we sing to God because he is king and this is why it's really important we keep reading this psalm all the way to the end that last three verses What's the focus there? The first three looked at what God has done. The second three sang out in praise for who God is and what he's doing right now. And the last three verses, they look at what God is going to do. It says, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. I wonder if you've ever thought of judgment as something to sing praise for. I think in many caricatures of Christianity, then we're standing there saying, God is going to judge you, be afraid. And that's not what the psalmist says here. The psalmist says to hurting broken people like us, don't worry, I am the God of justice. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your pain. I feel your pain. And I am the God of justice. And I will come to judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. He is a loving God, a fair God, and a God of justice. But why hasn't he done it now? Why can't God put everything right straight away? That's the bit that hurts, isn't it? But here in the psalm, we've seen what God has done. We know what he's doing and we know he is going to do it when his timing is right. In many respects, I would love the end of the world to come now and for all pain and suffering to cease. But I'm still praying for some friends to meet him first. I want him to do things first and he's still got work to do in me, let alone everybody else. So I can sing this psalm and I can say, God, I'm so glad that you are going to come in justice and you are going to judge the world. And that you have promised us the new heaven and the new earth. And that is the good news. That is what we sing. And I think we should sing. I think we should sing some more. Because it is not just us who is waiting for the new heaven and the new earth. But all of creation sings. The rivers clap their hands. The mountains sing together for joy. Because he is coming to judge the earth in equity and in fairness. So let's sing and ask him to show us. Show us what he is doing. And I think there's a challenge here. This God of justice, what's he asking us to do to bring justice to this world?